With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's All Over podcast. The only rugby podcast that gives you the news, news and opinion on the weekend's rugby action or with the West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at All Over Podcast. All over every podcast on Facebook, although we don't do much there. Uh, all of our podcasts are available on Apple Pods and Spotify and Google Podcasts. So I did get Alexa. I managed to get Alexa to play all over podcasts, but you have to have a Spotify account. So that was nine ninety nine. I'm never getting back. <laughs> <laughs> just just for that specific test. A month. Yeah, I, I, no, it was a free. Well, it was a, a free month, so technically not nine ninety nine, and I won't be renewing that subscription. Um, it's another punching chat. Punching chat six. They seem to be relatively popular. We've got a queue of people wanting to come on. Um, at um, Shanghai, Matt on Twitter will be disappointed because there's no Ben Eustace tonight. Um, the nicest man on Twitter. Ben Definitely, has a, the, Ben has an actual fan. He has an actual fan. There's like a proper like loving going on. Um, ironically, really. ironically, seemed to have fallen out with Patrick the other week, but you know that, that was uh, that was an interesting interesting thing. Um, so in place of Ben, we have Patrick. Welcome, Pat. Thanks, Russ. It's nice of you to have a rugby league guy on board. It's good to know you're an equal opportunities broadcaster. Equal opportunities from all over podcast productions uh, from the Long Snapper podcast. Um, Stevenage to fan. Long Snapper podcast. <laughs> to, to Long Snapper podcast. So Stevenage fan. And what is your rugby league team then? Uh, Sheffield Eagles. Eagles. Oh. Excellent. No Super League this summer. Is that is that Super League finished as well? Is that all off? Probably. It's hard to see anything getting going soon at this point, isn't it? Yeah. Let's, let's not I got bitten by a horse fly at the old Sheffield Eagles st- stadium. Don Valley. Good times. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if, if Super League's off for the summer, that's going to be 2,500 really disappointed people. Mm. <laughs> trudging around in their trench coats in the drizzle yeah those industrial industrial towns in the north are really going to suffer um you've heard doug you've heard phil as usual and in the chair is uh mr ad foxcroft the host of punching chat who is now world renowned welcome adam thanks for hosting <laughs> A pleasure to well um it's as good fun as long as they keep letting us doing it that that isn't a sentence I've just left my grammar at home. Keep letting us doing it. <laughs> I was distracted because I realised I didn't don't have give my, up, Adam. my yeah. I didn't have my soundboard ready, and I had to wait for the little app to play an advert. So I was panicking and wasn't really listening. But Fair leaving enough. your grammar at home is a good example of social distancing. So you're doing a good thing there. <laughs> let's uh, let's wade into some punching <laughs> chat, shall we? Yes. Let's do this. And in the traditional mall over podcast way, we'll start off with a, a rugby question. And quite simply, which player has had the most natural talent completely go to waste? And Phil, we will go to you first. 
Well, I'm guessing Russ has got the obvious answer, but just because it's obvious doesn't make it right. Because it was the obvious one that I went for first, and then I went, no, actually, that's I, I scrapped it before Adam even told me that it had gone. Um, <laughs> the correct answer is correct answer is a, is a fullback who has all of the attributes that you want from a fullback. He can he can catch fantastically. He's got hands like Sonny Bill Williams. He glides across the pitch like Philippe Seller just twice as quick. Um, he's got good hair. He's a nice-looking bloke. Unfortunately, he seems to have an issue with a large proportion of, of society who like people of the same gender as themselves. Um, and as a result, has cut his career short by about six or seven years. So I give you Izzy Falau, who, as far as, as long as punching chat's going to co- go on, he's going to come up as an answer for me probably every two or three weeks because the guy's a prick. And that's all I've got to say about it. It's fair enough. It's, it's a different way to make your natural talent go to waste. I'll give him that. Okay, uh, Pat, who have you got? I thought I'd gone for the obvious answer as well, but I didn't. Now I've heard that one. Um, I went for Danny Cipriani, and, and I did this. I prefaced this by saying my rugby union following is basically at the international level. I don't follow club rugby that closely. More closely now I've started listening to them all over, but not as closely. And he's a guy who was built up massively in the media, so maybe it's more their fault than his fault, but he has had his own um, fair share of misdemeanours drink driving ban, arrested for assault and uh, resisting arrest, punched a female police officer in that incident. So he's only made 16 caps. I expected a lot more from the media hype that surrounded him when he broke onto the scene. That's a good, that's an NFL player list of a badge of honours, if you will. Uh, Dougie. Uh, let's just check. Yeah, my mic's on. <clears throat> um, I'm going to go a little bit more left field, actually, and a player that started out at Yorkshire. Not maybe, maybe, maybe not um, a name you'd expect to come up with this. To be perfectly honest, but uh, a guy by the name of Don Barrow, who born in Sheffield, Pat. Didn't know if you know that, but uh, yep. Um, England under twenties international um, won the world under twenties, I think, actually with. Um, England, um, indeed he did, 2013 in France. Um, really burst onto the scene, forming a quite a decent partnership with um, Will Welsh up at Newcastle um, and looked quite good and then got, got a, a big move to Leicester and sort of settled in there for a bit but then didn't, um, didn't really kick on and uh, was released, um, played for La Rochelle, then signed by the Saints. Um, and I thought he was going to be a really good player for Saints, but just sort of disappeared, got injured and never really came back and then retired. Just out of the blue. And now works in finance, I believe. So, yeah, a player that really could have gone on to be a big star in the English game. Um, Rumours that maybe he was a bit of a prickly customer, didn't really fit in with the um, professional sport dynamic. Just gone, gone from rugby. The Zafa Ansari right, of rugby. Yeah. Zafa Ansari. What, yeah. A, what a great point of reference that is. <laughs> it's niche. Uh, Russ, to finish us off. Um, well, if the obvious answer that Phil was looking for was Quade Cooper, then it was the, the correct one. Um, <laughs> no, I, called sure it, it I called it wrong. I was, <laughs> Patrick was obviously the one who went for the obvious answer. Uh, born in New Zealand, which... You know, in 1988, he has made 70 appearances for Australia, um, two for Australia sevens. But his career has been marred by off-field incidents, falling outs with establishments, no less uh, charge of burglary for allegedly taking two laptops for a residence in the Gulf Coast, uh, deliberate accused of deliberately kneeing Richie McCraw in the face. Um, he stated that he'd been dumped from the Olympic team for the Australia Sevens in 2016 uh, because he did not hold Australian citizenship when in fact it was the fact that he was playing for Australia in the tournament travelling on a New Zealand passport of which he was a, a dual citizenship holder so why not just use your Australian passport um, much in the way as Darren e. Cipriani as Pat mentioned has been revered and held in such high regard um, I would mark Quade Cooper as the Antipodean Danny Cipriani 
and very much has, has followed a very similar path. Um, both extremely talented, but both mildly dickish. You know Sean Maitland's cousin? Yeah, he is, yeah. You would look at Wikipedia too. Sean McMaitland? No. Sean McMaitland, no. yeah. <laughs> it's just a list of petty crime, really, that question. That's how it ended up. But there we go. All right, next next up with... Yeah, but Ro- he's Australian. What do you expect? Oh, no, technically, it's New Zealand. Same thing. Okay, with coronavirus and the quiz documentary uh, about the the major who cheated his way to a million um they're both featuring coughing there you go that's tenuous but at what key moments in sporting history would you like to have cough and who would you be putting off and um, we'll go back to you russ i would like to have coughed throughout the entire of the 2019 ashes series uh whenever steve smith was at the crease the guy uh, very much like Alistair Cook in 10-11 that they, the Australians couldn't get out. Steve Smith basically single-handedly won the Ashes for Australia or retained the Ashes for Australia in 2019. Um, Byron Ben Stokes' heroics at Headingley, which you know we all know quite a bit about. Um, Smith scored... Uh, he scored 774... Uh, runs in four matches because he missed the Headingley test because of a concussion protocol. Um, he was almost ungetoutable, and between him and Marnus Labashagni, um, had some England had some real issues getting out. So if I could have coughed and found a way uh, to Labashagni, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, it was a joke, mate. Um, Throw <laughs> him. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't spend the whole of last summer watching him bat and not know what his name was. Um, yeah, Steve Smith. I wish I could cough and put him off and find a way to just get him out. All right, Phil. Point of order is actually Labish Gagney, if you pronounce it in his native South African. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Um, so uh, I am going into a high up meeting in the ECB, um, where they are discussing what to do about dwindling numbers in the in the coffers of the ECB, fewer people wanting to pay to come and watch cricket. How do we revitalise cricket in the UK? Well, how do we take it to the next stage and get more money in it? And then just as somebody who's probably spiked his water glass with a lot of vodka comes up with the fantastic idea to change the number of balls in an over, change the number of overs in a game and come up with a completely novel made-up system purely because it involves a round number, I am going to cough like shit so that nobody else in the room ever hears of the 100. Nobody at the ECB ever hears of it, never leaves that room, never gets mainstream media attention. We don't have to piss about with stupid franchise names. We don't have to pretend to get excited about some shitty draft and yeah let's just keep cricket as it is yeah playing to the host (laughs) it gets you points who'd have thought it pat i'm going to be coughing at uh, a mr willie gatlin a name who's probably not familiar immediately He's the father of American sprinter Justin Gatlin, and I will be coughing to put him off conceiving, <laughs> said Justin Gatlin. Justin Gatlin has he's, he's one of the people in sport I despise the most. He served two drugs bans, banned in 2001 for uh, amphetamine abuse, banned in 2006 for um, testosterone, artificial testosterone precursors. The second drugs ban, he claimed absolute innocence and got eight years um, banned from the sport. He then provided evidence as to how the doping infringement happened and had four of those years commuted. So claimed evidence and then, sorry, claimed innocence and then gave evidence against people about what the crime that happened once he was found guilty is classic. He's won Olympic gold, four world golds, two world, two Olympic silvers and six world silvers. Um, and coughing to put him off one of those isn't enough. I need to cough to stop him being in the world. Al, just, just humour me a minute. At which exact moment do you do the coughing? I mean, I think any point a random white dude turns up in their bedroom is going to put them <laughs> off enough, to be honest. During the warm-up routine. 
Yeah, those, those four or five seconds face. are pretty vital, aren't a, they? A random white dude. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be baffled, aren't you? Let's face it. All right, Doug, what have you got? Well, I'm going to take you back to 1.8 million years BC <laughs> and the, um, the appearance of stone tools in France. Um, which is the earliest recorded date that I can find of of anything French. Um, <laughs> and I would cough really loudly and say nothing to see here, move along to whoever mate was who crafted those fine stone tools, possibly by Homo erectus, um, at um, Chillac at uh, Haute-Loire. Um, because that would lead to the formation of the French nation, which would in turn lead to Louis X of France uh, around the 13th century, becoming enamoured with a game called Game of the Palm, which would evolve into real tennis, which would later evolve <laughs> into actual tennis. And my mind that went never to happened, a completely different place when you said Game of the Palm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe that's where the wanker term comes from. Anyway, um, so yeah, it, it, was in the room with Justin Gatlin's mum and dad. There, <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be to the Homo erectus who first stumbled on the plains of uh, ancient France 1.8 million years ago, and in very tenuous circumstances, leaded led to tennis. It's the tenuous circumstances that get you the points. Okay, next up. With the NFL draft last week, which contains no actual sports, setting viewer records, um, the mind goes to wonder what events could other sports set up in a similar fashion to entertain the masses while we're in lockdown. Um, And Doug, let's start with you. I'm going to stay on the tennis theme, and I would have uh, four hours of ball boys throwing sweaty towels at tennis players. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh more points there you go it's just a deadly serious face at the end of it that you'd be more than happy to watch it and you'll film it for a fee it's, it's, i genuinely would it's just not even joking okay russ um esports are a really big thing um they have millions of viewers and youtubers and these sort of people but I think, and I think this may have been brought up before, the way the Premiership season, football, rugby, all these sports seasons should be finished with players from the actual team playing each other at FIFA, maybe even pro clubs. If you've ever played pro clubs at FIFA, where you're all on the same team and you play in your position, so they all have to be online at the same time. They all have to play FIFA, but in their own positions. And then finish the Premiership season via the medium of pro clubs. Fuck off, mate. That'd be dr- you're not having any points. For that. That's you, dreadful. You, that would be I, unwatchable. But I bet you, the amount of people that watch it would be unbelievable. Oh yeah, if you and could be, if you put, it, it would be absolute whistle though, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. But it would get the viewing figures in, advertising, you know. You seen the the whole esports thing at the O2 or wherever they do it? It's fucking mental. And they already held a tournament on Twitch, and the Norwich City it was fans and players. The Norwich City player was uh, Todd Cantwell, who knocked out the uh, Stevenage random sixteen year old fan who was playing, which was quite embarrassing. <laughs> Good for him. Um, yeah, the the flogging ball boys with towels is winning. No, fl- flogging by the ball boys, I should say. Uh, Phil, what's your idea? Yeah, um, yeah, the whole esports idea. Shit, sorry, Ross. Um, so <laughs> fucking bam bandwagon. <laughs> it's easy to get on a bandwagon when everybody else on it's right. Um, <laughs> does, it, does it cease to be a bandwagon if it's actually a fact? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so. I think what you've got to do is you've got to look at embracing something that captures the public spirit at various times. And there's there's been TV programmes that have done that across the years. So I'm thinking of like your, your big brothers that came along that everybody kind of got into. And at the moment, the, obviously, the popular one is, is Love Island. And you've had various different celebrity versions of this. And I, and I want to take you to a celebrity version of Naked Attraction. Um, so... Uh, instead of the the traditional naked attraction where you have a contestant who gets to see 
various people's bodies as they get get revealed and pick one. I want public voting um, and I want some kind of severe punishment. I'm thinking like old school gunge tanking from um, from Pat Sharp kind of days for whoever loses. But the first two contestants that I'm going to have on Naked Attraction whose bodies get slowly revealed, it's going to be Alan Wynne-Jones against Joe Marler. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, again, I'd probably watch, weirdly. I should admit that, but <laughs> you, you wouldn't be able to resist. You know, the, screens, it, would you? the screens are going to have to go up different amounts each time because guaranteed like, every, there's every, a foot's difference in, in, in height there. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm with Adam. I'd secretly watch it because you know, I'm convinced, and I can't be the only one that thinks, that thinks this, and maybe this is a bit too far, but... Everybody, everybody would be moderately interested in how big a cock every other sportsman in the world has got. I just think it would be funny. <laughs> just, it just, it would, it, it would be intriguing. <laughs> I, I think, I think probably the right. silence just, there spoke and, volumes, didn't it? <laughs> and, I think it would be right, Russ. But just, just for the record, no, it's not. No, and, and Andy Goode and his little walnut whip dick, and <laughs> yeah, it, it, will, it will lead me on to my answer for, for another one anyway. Excellent, uh, Pat. I don't think we've heard from you on this. Yeah, I think I'm the last one. Um, I would go for some sort of training camp combine type event. So a lot of clubs are starting to go back to training now. Um, certainly Arsenal announced they are reopening their training grounds and they're only doing individual training drills. So why not have one consistent set of individual drills done across all of the players and all of the teams? And then you can see really who is the best athlete in sport across those different events. And you could do it multi-sports, not even just within a single sport. So we could learn a lot from that. I think it'd be very interesting. Do you remember, and I know I've mentioned this on all over before, do you remember on Saint and Greavesy where they did the um, every one player from every club and they did a 100-meter sprint? Do you, yeah. remember, do you remember that? John Williams. John Williams, the flying postman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Junior Bent from Bristol City. I do remember that. Um, they should do that. Like for, for, but like Pat says, that's, that's the answer. Like a combine. Brilliant. A few more points for that, Pat. I, was, I, I actually initially thinking that probably sounds terrible, but no, I would watch that. Um, we're pretty bored. Pretty much anything except <laughs> esports. Okay, a quick look at the scores. Russ, yeah, that hurt you. You're on 24. Doug on 42. Pat, 35. Phil on 41. Um, but, you know, it's early days. Okay, now we get into the highbrow stuff. Um I don't know if you saw in the NFL draft, but the Detroit Lions drafted a guy called John Penasini or Penasini. I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, but the question is, who is the biggest penis in sports? And um, Pat, we'll start with you. I mean, there's so many choices for this. I mulled over a lot. I don't want to list them in case someone else has gone for them. But I ended up picking the guy who has annoyed me pretty much more than anyone else in his sport. And that's saying a deal because there's a lot of dickheads in that sport he's maybe literally throw things at the television in annoyance and that man is sebastian vettel he's a selfish <laughs> arsehole and when he took out mark weber who was his teammate and was ahead of him in the driver's championship and driving better it's just he's the worst man you'd want as a teammate and he's the biggest penis in sport Formula go. One's made me chuck stuff at the TV before, but generally just to get it off. <laughs> you know the remote control does that. Now yeah, you've got to throw things. Okay, Doug. Uh, Joe Marler, next. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Marler, Joe, I think Joe, Doug shoehorns Joe Marler into an answer for a question once a week. It is a secret bit of love. Okay, Russ, who have you got? Um, I read this question slightly differently. Um, not who is the biggest penis in sport, but who has the biggest penis in sport, leading <laughs> on from the previous question. Um, so my answer to this question, uh, started and finished his career at Norwich City, 156 appearances for Cambridge United, uh, Manchester United, Coventry City, Aston Villa, now homes under the hammer, and it's got to be <laughs> Dion Dublin, who is rumoured to have one of the 
most gigantic schlongs anybody has ever seen. I've just given you quite a lot of points there, but you didn't answer the question, so I'm going to take one away. But it was worth it all the same. Okay, Phil, biggest penis in sport. So, I don't mean you. Sorry, before you feel and if Thanks. Dion Dublin was on Naked Attraction, you don't even have to reveal his feet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Joe Marler definitely made my shortlist as did Israel Folau but but actually I went for somebody who ruins my um, my uh, entertainment experience when I'm watching rugby um, and that's somebody whose opinion is frankly unique unwanted, unwanted unwarranted unless you're Nigel Ray um, and that is Stuart Barnes no interest in the guy he ruins everything There we go. It had to come up, didn't he? There we are. Okay. Um, still on the theme of um, John Penasini. I'm going to call him. I've no, no actual idea how his name's really pronounced, but it doesn't matter. Um, who has the quickie, this one? Who has the funniest name in sports? And um, we'll back, go back to you, Phil. Oh, there's a there's a whole absolute raft of them, and anybody can use Wikipedia or Google and find all kinds of stuff. Um a lot of them are, are funny in an English context, but they're they're kind of foreign names. So I went for one where some a parents actually gone and made a decision to call their child this, and that's Rusty Cunts, <laughs> baseball player from back in the day. His parents must have hated him before he was even born. <laughs> what do you think, Mister Mister and Missus Cunts? What you you've got a nice bouncing little boy? What are you going to call him? Yeah, Rusty. I mean, where else would you go? <laughs> Russ. Um, Germany. 1985 <laughs> was the birthplace of this German skier. Bought to, uh, bought to fruition on the popular game show uh, The Chase. Bradley Walsh has famously lost the absolute plot during this period of time in the question. Um, the answer to this question is Fanny Schmeller. <laughs> nice Dougie I've got I mean I've got several for you there's Misty Hyman who was a, <laughs> a swimmer swimmer um, <laughs> oh, no way <laughs> yeah yeah Misty Hyman Misty Hyman <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn your thunder there Dougie I, I held back on adding extra names but she was top of the list alright uh, there's uh, Andreas Wank the skier mm. Yeah. yeah, no, Misty Hyman. I mean, <laughs> no you can't blame Mr. Hyman. and Mrs. Wank for his first name in that case, particular case. But you know, uh, Ron Tugnut, Danger Four <laughs> Pence, uh, <laughs> Stefan Kuntz, Fabian Arsman. Um, is he? I mean, is that nominative how, determinism? Go, but I, <laughs> but um, and then there's the you know the American footballers that used to play for the London Monarchs, Horace Morris. Um, <laughs> one of the, one, one of the best. Um, I, I don't really know um, how you can really go beyond um, Neville Neville, though. <laughs> it's a shit name. So shit, he's been named twice. <laughs> there are a distinct category of the ones that you can just blame the parents. <laughs> Neville Neville, you've torn your dress. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pat. Oh, you're talking about skiers reminded me of Peekaboo Street, which is someone I'd forgotten, but that was a fantastic one. Um, <laughs> I went for Jack Oh, I forgot King. Stubby Clap. Sorry, Stubby Clap. The oh, that's player. beautiful. That's <laughs> when someone applauds you for bringing the beers back from Sainsbury's. Um, <laughs> I went for Jack King. And I went for Jack King because of an incident that occurred when I was on holiday and I was listening to some radio commentary and the uh, commentator said, now what's going on here? Jack King off. Over nothing, nothing at all. What a mess here at the Lamex. And I was hitting myself laughing in front of my mum and dad. It's amazing. Jacking off, honestly. Right. Um, scores. Russ, 47. Phil, 55. Doug, 64. Pat, you're in the lead with that on 66. And on we go to the platinum jiffy bag question, which finally got uncovered last week with a bit of bit of help um <laughs> rush you can kick us off with this one the question is who did you idolize as a player 
but now they've retired and appear on social media and TV and so on, you realise it's just a bit of a dick. Um, yeah, so so this guy burst onto the cricket scene uh, in the winter of 2014-2015 on a one-day international tour of South Africa, I believe. And uh, he then went on to do great things for England cricket, um, appeared in the 2005 Ashes, scored untold amount of test match and one-day international runs and probably could have been our best batsman ever or highest run scorer ever had he had not uh, fallen out with all of the team and um, management and been a little bit selfish. But ever since his retirement, and there was no there was no doubt in how great he was as a cricketer. Ever since his retirement, he's done quite a bit of whinging and moaning about his treatment, um, all under the guise of telling his story. Um, He has been, he's had the support of Piers Morgan on social media, which in itself um, makes, makes it almost abhorrent that, uh, that he should be blaming anybody else. And just generally, you know, he disappeared sort of out of the limelight for a little while and, and all was good because like nobody was clamoring for him to get back in the England team. And it was all just, you know, very nice and serene. Then he came back having retired from cricket and decided to to say some very uh, uncomplimentary things about Andrew Strauss and Alistair Cook and, you know, other England greats of that time. And it was all a little bit of sour grapes after the Lord Mayor's show. So for me, you know, as an amazing, as a, as a cricketer that he was, you know, all of his actions post-cricket have been less than uh, less than great. And also, I couldn't care less about the fucking rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin Peter Peterson. Douglas. Um, here's the thing. If if a retired sportsman is on, on social media and you don't and you don't really know he's there, then he's not a dick. The only ones you know are mm-hmm. on social media that are dicks. So my answer is nobody, but for the purposes of a platinum jiffy bag, there is no bigger bell end on social media than Stan Collymore. <laughs> On the he was on the list, hundred yeah. percent. It never, never a great uh, part of a radio show phone in when uh, when somebody was talking about a goal, somebody smashed a goal into the top corner, and he went, "Oh yeah, he hit that hard, and you hit Ulrika." <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest moments on Talksport I mean, ever. It, it, you know, every, they they say that opinions are like arseholes. Well, Stan Collymore must have two arseholes. <laughs> okay. Uh... Phil. Yeah, so I'm I'm not expecting a huge number of points for this because actually I've I've dropped the word social from uh, from the from the question, um, and I've just gone for all forms of media. So to put it into context, you you get somebody who is a fantastic player, absolute international class, world star player, someone like Brian O'Driscoll, and then they transfer into into a media role, and everything that comes out of their mouth is balanced and he's exactly the the kind of person that you want him to be. And it's almost like his, his stock goes up because of the stuff that comes out of his mouth. He's obviously incredibly knowledgeable, but he, but he doesn't come across in a way that's sneering or condescending. um, And, and he can have a bit of a laugh and a joke. Growing up in Somerset in the, in the eighties and nineties. And I mentioned before that I was fortunate enough to get to a few bath games Bath had a fantastic team at the time, but one of the players that made that team tick and one of the players that, that really made England tick at the time as well was Guskett, Jeremy Guskett. Um, and I met him in the players' bar a few times afterwards and I thought, well, he's a bit full of himself, but he's an England international, so be it. But ever since he's transferred into kind of media, everything that comes out of his mouth is just there to try and make him seem better than the other person that he's talking to. It's about... I know this. Is it not obvious? Everybody should know this. And he kind of assumes a level of knowledge that's far too high. He he doesn't have an ability to put things into the context of other people. And as a result, just seems like a condescending prick. Um, and it's got to the point where he's just a massive turnoff. 
<clears throat> interesting story. Interesting story about Jeremy Guskett. Well, might not be interesting for anybody else. I uh, I played a mixed doubles match against Jeremy Guskett and Annabelle Croft in the open of the David Lloyd Tennis Centre in Bristol, circa nineteen ninety five, ninety six. Where the ball in his face? Story been hiding. Yeah. <laughs> there you Annabelle go. Croft's a right sort. She was a sort, but <laughs> but you're right. Guskett Guskett was an absolute wand. The, the whole the whole thing about being in the media as a pundit and talking down to people i don't I, it's it's all too common and it frustrates me so often that people like that that appear that they're better than you know the be, the best ones do it in such a way that they're they're talking to you as a mate or you know on the same same level it's a fine art and yeah clearly yeah you get you get someone like michael johnson and actually the way he explains things, you, you understand what he's talking about. You can relate to him. He doesn't come across as, as condescending at all. And then Guskett's just the whole other end of the scale. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Pat, finish us off on this one. Sure. I mean, first things first, Russ needs a clang. Clang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang. Following that, um, <laughs> I couldn't have gone for Kevin Peterson for this answer because I thought he was a bell end when he was playing and not just after he finished playing. Um, good point. Good point. I, I've gone for a man who won't be in the envelope, but I've gone for um, John Sheridan. He was <laughs> my favourite player growing up. He wore my favourite number, number eight. He scored the winning goal in the Rumblers Cup final against Manchester United. The only thing any of my teams has ever won um, at the top level while I've been watching. And then he became a manager of lower league clubs and came up against Stevenage. And turns out he's a complete bell end. In 2010, he. Um, they lost to us, and in his press conference, he went, oh, it's like playing a team of bodybuilders out there. It's not football at all. I did the maths. Our average height in the outfield players was 5'11 in that game. The average height of his team, 5'10.5. Not a massive difference, and not really a surprise that 10 professional footballers average 5'11. I, don't I, lo- I, love, the, I love the fact that you did the maths on that. Any, anybody else, I think they're just saying it, but actually, I believe you. So you get mm. five points. Just for that. <laughs> uh, nobody got the Platinum Jiffy Bag answer, um, which I, I could perhaps expected. But as soon as I say his name, you will, I imagine, nod in agreement. And it's an absolute England footballing legend. Um, I think until recently had the most caps ever. Uh, goalkeeper who retired after Italian 90, Peter Shilton. Um, oh, he's got some out, views. Yeah, he's got, he's got some views, views isn't he? Uh, he's he's never seen him on, I've never seen him on social media, ever. Well, seek, seek, seek him out. <laughs> um, he's, he's everything. In fact, don't. The illusion is better. Remember him as a goalkeeper and not as a strictly participant or as somebody on Twitter. You'll be a much happier person. There you go. Okay, next question. And we'll go to you first, Dougie. And it's simply, what is the worst bit of officiating that you've ever seen? Um, so this this is... Um, anyone who listens to more over knows that I don't agree with berating officials in any sense. Um, but the one thing I could really get on board with was an incident that happened in the NFL maybe 10 years ago, I think. And... Um, one that still um, plagues the sport to this very day, which is the Calvin Johnson catch that wasn't. Um, so basically, the Lions were driving down. I think they were playing. Were they playing the Bucks or the Jags? One of the two. It was a Florida team, wasn't it? I think. This is where my research has let me down. I it's probably the team. it's probably the Jags if they were forgettable. Uh, I can't. I can't remember. Anyway, look. Um, he caught the ball. Jumped up. Caught the ball. Um, put his hand on the floor. So after he's caught the ball, he's made a movement. He's put the ball on the floor and run off. And the referee has just waved it off as a, a fumble, not not a catch. Um, the Detroit Lions lost the game. And basically ever since then, the NFL has been locked in this sort of quagmire of not knowing when somebody's actually completed a catch. Now, anyone that's seen it, knows that it was a catch. Every single person that's ever played or watched American football knows that it was a catch, except one referee 
who just decided, no, that's not a catch. Um, and the sport still hasn't really recovered from it. It's kind of affected it for over a decade. So I will go, not, yeah. nothing funny about it, um, uh, unless you consider teams losing because of really, really bad officiating funny. Um, it's, it's incredible yeah, the effect it, it had, because they, they tried to clarify what a catch was a couple of years ago and tweak the rule, but I don't think it's any clearer. No, um, it's not. And and, it's... And, but, but the problem is they've made it so murky now that you just can't, that there is no clear way out of it. it. It's much like cricket. If you have control of the ball in cricket, you catch the ball. The reason the players throw it in the air isn't to celebrate, it's to prove that they've got control of the ball, right? Yeah. yeah, the argument in some cases that because yeah, there was exactly a time that, there was a yeah. time in the nineties where players were basically catching the ball and throwing it straight up, even though you know, and the, and then the the I think the ICC even put out an edict that said that you had to have clear control of the ball before you celebrate, right? Um, yeah, I seem yeah. to Herschel, Herschel Gibbs was the famous the famous one who it wasn't, it wasn't a catch in his case because he threw it up before he even had any control of it and they didn't give it to him. Yeah. And it just didn't hit his hands properly. But by, by trying to sort of define the minutiae of what a catch is and what a catch isn't, you just exacerbate the problem. It just becomes more and yeah. more complicated. If it looks like a catch, the chances are it is a catch, is my uh, assessment of that one. I'm with you all the way. Okay, Pat. I've gone back to Hillsborough for this one uh, and a Nigel Jemson penalty I remember from my youth. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to say the uh, the policeman. No, that would be a little bit more <laughs> well, virtual. Also a little bit more before my time. <laughs> it's not so, really um, on the officials. Yeah, quite. No. Um, Jemson was running on onto a through ball. Um, defender slid in to try and intercept it. Missed it completely. Jemson hurdled him about 20 yards from goal, took three more strides at full speed into the box, till he was about a yard into the box, and then threw himself on his front, and the referee gave the penalty. And I was sitting in the cop, and all the fans around us were going, well, I mean, we've got a penalty, so we're glad, but what the fucking hell was that? It's ridiculous. I, lo- I love the fact that that helped your own team, and you're still in disbelief about it, what's probably 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, madness. Um, Phil... So it's there's this thing with with sport where international sport where they try and bring um, bring smaller nations in together. And it's as true for officiating as it is for playing. And uh, you see it at every World Cup, be it rugby, football, whatever, where there's some referees who just really aren't up to the mark. And, and they're there because of where they where they're from um, and about increasing participation in the sport in that area. Um, I'm going to take you to the 22nd of June, 1986. Ali bin Nasser from Tunisia. Uh, Argentina, England, World Cup quarterfinal, nil-nil at halftime, gets about 10 minutes into, or about five five or six minutes into the second half. Ball comes across from the right-hand side. You've got Peter Shilton, who's about two inches taller than Diego Maradona, with his arm full-stretched, can nearly reach the ball. And yet Maradona gets his full head onto it, allegedly, according to the referee. There was absolutely no way from any angle within about three kilometres of that 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 would have looked like it was his head. He's the shortest man on the pitch. I'm making that up. He might not be. Um, and it it kind of it marred football for quite some time because it clearly should never have been a goal. And what we should have been doing at the end of that match is celebrating his other goal, which was fantastic. Or obviously as England fans commiserating the fact that we've been knocked out of the World Cup. Let's but, be fair, he ran past Terry Fennick and Peter Reid. <laughs> you can only well, play what's in front of you, Russ. You can only play what's in front of you. Barry Barry um, Davis famously, of course, comes comes out with the line, you have to say, that's magnificent. Uh, and yeah, it's five minutes after the ludicrous, ludicrous officiating had happened. Um, he never, re- never refereed again, did he? The Tunisian um, chap. Or are you coming I'll, on to I'll, that? I'll, I'll say no, he didn't. <laughs> no, I, I hadn't looked at that, to be honest. Yeah, apparently, um, apparently in 2015, Maradona visited his house to pay tribute to him and gave him, gave him an Argentina jersey. Yeah. Called and, him his eternal friend. A couple of bags of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, Russ, worst bit of officiating. There's loads in there. There's uh, Howard Webb, um, not Howard Webb, Graham Pohl in the World Cup, booking the same player twice (laughs) and not sending him off. Um, But my worst piece of officiating is actually a World Cup qualifier. Uh, Second leg, Parc de France, Republic of Ireland versus France. Ties one all after in during extra time after after the end of the second leg, and Thierry Henry has basically caught the ball, ran round Shea Given, and passed it in the middle to William Gallas, who has tapped it home. And Henry admitted afterwards that he knew he'd it was obviously a handball. He did it on purpose, and you know, every not just the referee. But all the officials that were there on that night missed it. And I think it wasn't long after that that they, they thought about initiating the uh, behind-the-goal referees that do absolute or assistants to do absolutely fuck all. <laughs> yeah, just because of that. Yeah, ludicrous. I'm quite cool with that because it meant that all the, uh, all the lovely guys from Ireland were quite pissed off. Or <laughs> <laughs> the all the great mates. Yeah, bless them. more to Ireland than this. No, there isn't. Badly tarmac drives in this country. Um, <laughs> horses running through council estates. <laughs> okay, a quick look at the scores. Um, Phil, you're trailing, I'm afraid, on 83. Russ, 86. Dougie on 91 and Pat in the lead on 92. Um, with, I don't know if you've been watching it, the match of the day have been doing a podcast each week and a little show just dis- discussing a top 10 of, of everything. Um, last week they did the top 10 bonkers moments in the Premier League. And number one, of course, was the Cantona Kung Fu kick at Crystal Palace. Uh, with that in mind, what's the most bonkers sport you've ever seen outside of football? Um, Patrick start us off i'm going to take you to snetterton in 2016 in the british touring cars championships it was a really packed tight grid 30 odd cars there uh, about two-thirds of the way back in the pack uh, mark howard was pushed into a spin um he the front of his car hit the pit wall hit that was propelled him backwards across the track um kind of slowly shepherding all of the other cars out towards the outside of the track um he hit the side of Mark Hunter, who was overtaking him, um, which flipped Mark Hunter's car into a roll. The second roll took it onto the outside Arco. The third roll took the back of that car into a camera gantry. And you see in slow motion the camera gantry topple. The cameraman, uh, Mr. Phil White, bailed. No lasting injuries, fortunately, but it's really one of the most crazy incidents I've seen in, in any sport and uh, spectacular. I think I you need to, uh, to YouTube that for link it to, for people to see that tomorrow. Well, funnily enough, Adam's already seen it, but I will I uh, put it to uh, more over account tomorrow. Doug's um... showing us now a focus phone. Oh, oh he's got me. Phil White in his phone. I thought he might have known. Oh, <laughs> <clears throat> My mate Phil White. All right, humble brag. <laughs> only the second best clang of the show, to be we're fair. All, we're all unemployed now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Phil. So I'm going to take you back a couple of years to a European Cup match um, between Toulon and Bath. So we've got Chris Ashton, who um, is... is is a pretty decent winger. He's done fairly well for England, playing for too long, but playing at fullback, not his natural position. Um, game tie, game pretty close, 14 6, I think it was at the time, with about 20 minutes to go. Um, too long, take a quick line out. Ball gets passed to Ashton somewhere near his post. And it's not it's not a fantastic pass, but it's it's a decent enough pass. And Ashton goes to boot the ball. He's behind his post at the time, boot the ball out into touch. And he does what we've all done as an eight or nine-year-old kid, which is try and welly the ball too hard, skew it off the outside of your boot, and the ball goes at about a 45-degree angle towards where you're, at, where you're aiming. Maybe Never not you, that. Russ. Maybe not you, Russ, but the rest of us <laughs> have all done it. Um, then spirals spectacularly in the air towards the touchline where a waiting Jonathan Joseph catches the ball. But it doesn't end there. 
Ashton, realising how much he's cocked up, goes to run across towards the touchline to go and tackle Joseph and then trips himself up and completely face plants in the dead ball area whilst Joseph tiptoes around him to score underneath the post. It was the kind of thing you would expect to see in a third-team game down at Newquay, if Newquay had a third-team anymore. Um, but, yeah, it's, it is the worst bit of, of uh, the biggest cock-up I've ever seen from a professional rugby player. I think we're going to want four YouTube links off after this, potentially. Um, doesn't ring a bell, that one, actually. Uh, Russ? Um, bizarre moments in sport. 28th of June, 1997. Uh, MGM Grand, Las Vegas. The Sound and the Fury, Mike Tyson versus Evander Holyfield, Mark II. The, the infamous biting of the ear incident. I mean, we all knew that Mike Tyson was slightly deranged by that point. Um, he'd taken a few knocks to the head, as most boxers do. But uh, as much of an animal as Mike Tyson is, I don't think anybody uh, anybody actually thought he would he would go as far as to bite a one-inch chunk out of Evander Holyfield's ear. So for me, one of the most bizarre things ever to happen in sport is Mike Tyson biting off Evander Holyfield's ear. Yep. Absolute madness. Um, weirdly, there was a biting incident in the top 10 of the Premier League history. I think you can guess who that was. Uh, Doug, who's what's your most bonkers moment in sport? Well, the one I remember the most actually sitting and watching was when out in Senna. Um, ran out of talent at the Tamburello and um, yeah. found it a little bit too tricky. But the what the weirdest thing surely has got to be Andreas Escobar being assassinated by Pablo Escobar's drug cartel for scoring, scoring an own goal. goal in the World Cup. I mean, gone dark with these we, answers. No, nobody, <laughs> nobody likes. There's no YouTube link for that one. No. <laughs> Thankfully, um, no. I mean, nobody likes losing, but Pablo, holy jets, man! Uh, <laughs> uh, um, I'm laughing at Russ. I'm not laughing at death. I promise. Tonight we talk about uh, death. Honor, honor, honorable mention in light of Phil's answer as well to um, um, uh, Morlover's favourite fly half, Andy Good. No, Ben Botica. Oh, Ben Botica. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> was it... Quinn's, no further explanation needed Quinn's against Montpellier. Was it Quinn's, yeah. Yeah. Quinn's against Montpellier, who he was going to play for in about oh. three weeks' time. <laughs> Banter. Okay. As we, as we go into any other business, Pat is five points ahead of the field. Um, Doug and Russ, you are on the same score, so any other business could be vital. Phil, you can catch them as well, four points behind them. So why don't you go first? Yeah, I'm probably not going to with this, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so I was chatting to a friend who uh, lives just above Porth Beach in Yuki. So um, one of the one of the beaches on the outskirts in Yuki, and he said on Sunday that the beach was probably about as busy as it is as a, in, the, in a, on a standard summer day. Um, and I've certainly noticed that the roads around here have got a lot busier. There's a lot more people out and about than there ever have been. I think probably 80% of the population are doing what they should be doing, but 20% of them are just pushing the boundaries further and further and further. And I just think that if if we as a country, as a society, can just suck it up for a little bit longer, we can get back to normal quicker. And I just think that people are just being ultimately selfish and ruining everybody else's everybody else's lives just for a little bit of fun for themselves. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not easy. So I, like we're very fortunate where we are that we can, I can go for a bike ride and not see anybody for 10, 15 minutes. That's, that's not a problem. And I understand that not everybody is in that same situation, but like just suck it up for a little bit longer and then everybody can get back to, to normal. Doug can start getting some money so he can start moaning about some other shit like Irish people or tennis. Um, and like we can all just move forwards with our lives. Not that I don't enjoy punching chat because I do enjoy punching chat. We might decide to carry on punching chat after coronavirus is finished. But I want to I want to get out and about and, and live life normally. And that's only going to happen if people suck it up and stop being selfish. 
Yeah. Mm, I'm not sure I agree, but whatever. Oh well. Well, go next, Doug. Yeah. I'm. Uh, so I. I was gonna. On on the same point, really. Um, this week's been a particularly sort of bad week for me. Um, I've kind of hit a wall with this stuff now. Um, seeing leagues get cancelled around the world, seeing constant updates. Saw an update yesterday about um, robot cameras filming the rest of the rugby, which I don't think is going to happen, but you know they're, they're talking about it. Um, the constant coronavirus updates, the fact that Netflix uh, can't get coronavirus documentaries out quick enough, the fact that there is just a relentless stream of bad news, the, the fact that, you know, um, we're in a position where we we seem to think that staying in is going to get things back to normal quicker. But if you listen to the government, getting back to normal quicker is probably this time next year before we can go and have a beer in a pub. Um, Donald Trump's a, a, a raging wet wipe of a human being. But for the first time ever, I'm inclined to agree with uh, the... The cost. Is, that dis- is, is, is that a disinfectant wet wipe? Not, dis- if it is, not the disinfectant eaten. quote. Not not the disinfectant quote. The, but the, the, the cure can't the, the cure can't be worse than the the cost. If you see what I mean, or see what he means, the 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 the, the, the solution can't be worse than the outcome of the problem. Because I I believe that. I'm, I'm starting to believe that the longer this goes on, the there there will be irrecoverable damage done. It feels like we it feels like we're digging ourselves into a hole that we're not going to be. We, we, we haven't we haven't got out. a ladder, we haven't got a ladder to get out of. No, <clears throat> and, it's and I'm starting to become a little bit genocidical about this, and I'm I'm kind of like, well, there's a lot of us. Maybe we just need thinning out a bit. So let nature take its course. Natural selection. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah, there's it's not much. Not, well, if we're going to get into this in all seriousness, it's not not really. Well, it doesn't feel very punching chat, and it's also yeah, there is there isn't that much you could say that's positive when you look at it along those lines, no. um, because there are you know economics you know and health. No they're pretty. Business. Yeah, I've got no any other business because I've sat in my house for the last six weeks. Fair enough. Have that's... some points. <clears throat> <laughs> there you go. Nobody wants scan... to hear about my fucking chilies again. Scan consolation. <laughs> that, that, that's not a euphemism. Um, Russ, go. I, I was, I was going to, well, I was going to steer away from the the coronavirus. Was like the daily briefing is doing my head, and a Robert Paston can fucking get in the sea because you know, he is just. Is that the fucking... daily briefing where yeah, they dress up they're... the same five slides as being brand new information? Every yeah, day. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's look, just point... our, our curve has gone ever so I... slightly down. It's, it's like watching the world's longest stop motion animation. I want to just tell them how to label axes properly. <laughs> I... Just basic Microsoft Excel skills would be would be nice it's, it's the just government can't use it it's, it's they're laura, probably trying to use apple sheets laura kunisberg and robert peston asking the same questions repeatedly i did see a, a robert peston try to bolt on a question to matt hancock the other day and he, he, and he just he, he spent about three and a half minutes asking a question without actually asking anything and at the end of it he stopped and matt hancock just went no and then moved on, which I thought was oh, brilliant. Um, Peston's a fucking plug. He, like, he, he, was, he was he was asking. Oh. I can't remember who it was. It was it was it was either an epidemiologist or somebody quite high up in Department of Health um, about tests and claiming that the guy had his information wrong. Now I'm I'm not an epidemiologist, but I know about tests and I know the difference between an antibody and antigen test. And Robert Peston doesn't. Um, but he's so supercilious about the whole thing. He's just a He's a prick. Anyway, just my actual any other business, I wanted to do a recommendation. Um, there is a for those of you that, that do have Sky, there is a new uh mini series called Gangs of London that is on um on the on demand. 
and it is absolutely phenomenal. And if you've got the ability, you've got the time or whatever, just watch it because it is absolutely fucking amazing. So it's one of the best things I've seen for for a long time. Fair enough. And it's real. Yeah. It's real angry. If you like real angry violence with prolonged fights, like fight scenes, like punching fight scenes and and gunfights, is I feel is like amazing. if I was fifteen, I'd be in, into that. It's good, but mate. I'm not. I'm I'm forty, and I like devs. So there. <laughs> Okay, Patrick, finish us off. I've got to stop saying that, by the way. Yeah, you do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's about the closest I get. (laughs) I learned some important lessons on Twitter this week. I learned that you shouldn't take the piss out of Lewis Hamilton because Lewis Hamilton fans have no sense of humour whatsoever, which perhaps shouldn't have been a surprise because neither does Lewis, so maybe that's why they empathise with him. Um... Monday morning, a friend of mine tweeted uh, an article on Lewis, which used a really old photo for the um, advertising cover. And he just kind of asked, why have they used such an old photo of Lewis? And I just, without thinking, jokingly responded, oh, you know, they had to go back that far to find a picture of him with a non-ridiculous haircut. Little mild joke. Came back onto Twitter like six hours later after I'd done some work. My mentions were full of people calling me a racist for uh, taking the piss out of Lewis Hamilton's hair. I was like, guys, really? What? Where were you on Saturday when I took the piss out of uh, Jack Grealish's hair? Yeah. Mine posted a picture of Kim Jong-il and I was like, yeah, Jack Grealish is putting some weight during the lockdown. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Do you reckon he's dead or not? Mm, Jack Grealish. No. We can only hope. <laughs> oh, cruel. <laughs> but it's interesting, and you know, you're very qu- if you're very quick to drop the race card when you actually need it, people aren't going to take it as seriously. It's like crying wolf over nothing. Well, <laughs> oh. Twitter's just full of that, and it it totally takes away the value of when there actually is an injustice. Um, it just gets missed because the so many non injustices that get jumped all over, like you taking the piss out of Lewis Hamilton's hair. Anyway, people, um, people taking offence. Yeah just to be seen to take offence. All right, well, the scores have ended up pretty close. Doug, you are 108. Phil, you are also on 108. But in the final, we have Pat on 111 and Russ on 113. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, there you go. Um, Pat, you you came second, so for Defend the Undefendable, you will get to choose whether you'd like to go first or second. I'll go second. While I flounder around and set a timer and because we recorded on a different night Siri doesn't know I'm about to do that but there we go 22 seconds you said you go second didn't you so Russ um you are going to defend if the ECB sorry if the ECB should only cancel 100 if they pay Kevin Peterson his full potential earnings for commentary as it wouldn't be fair on him to miss out well it wouldn't because we all know that Kevin Peterson will be the premier commentator in the 100 this year along with Chris Hughes from Love Island who apparently was going to be one of the hosts Um, and if you're going to pay Kevin Peterson you may as well have him front and centre at all times whilst the 100 is going on whilst the game is being played he may as well stand in the middle of the bat time is up Um, Pat you're defending undefendable the NFL in fact no yeah, I'll go with this. The NFL should reverse its mid-90s expansion, removing the Carolina Panthers and Jacksonville Jaguars from the league, as there are too many teams for fans to remember. It seems like a fair point to me, particularly given the way the team's just drafted, that um, they're clearly drafting for the long-term future, not the short-term future. And if they don't want a short-term future, then why should they be bothered playing next year at all? I think we should just kick them out of the league and go back to the core clubs, frankly. Um. That's four blank seconds, and you, you know, <laughs> dead air is a crime. <laughs> dead air is Who a needs twenty-two? <laughs> so, Russ, you are going to win this week's punching chat. Get in. I um, think that's my second. Is that your first? Re- well, that's your second, is it? Yeah, we, yeah, need, I, we need some kind of league table somewhere. I well, yeah. If only somebody. Oh, you mean the result stats. actually matters? What? <laughs> yeah. Gonna, I'm going to start taking my job more seriously then. There I'm we not. Go. Thanks, Adam. Another amazing punching chat. Some more great questions. Thanks, Pat, for, for joining us. We do have a, a waiting list. Hopefully, Ben will be back next week. I might even take a seat next week. 
take a good step out to the side bench. I know we've got um, Dan Kier, who's listened to them all over for a long time. He wants to go. Uh, George Ferris is also keen to to get involved. I know there's a couple of guys, um, Matt and James from Rugby Saracens, who want to go as well. So if we find ourselves still doing this in a few weeks, then uh, we've got plenty of guests lined up. Um, and JB guys, wants to as well. Guys, if you do enjoy this, please, please, please send some questions in because I have no idea how Adam comes up with these every week. And there's only so many variations on a theme we can do. Yeah, send some questions and leave some reviews as well. Leave some reviews. Definitely not comparing us to any other um, podcast or radio show that you might hear that is now being recorded remotely. And may I add, not as well as we do. And and when Russ says reviews, he does mean multiple, please. More yeah. than one each. Yeah. <laughs> across across the uh, across the the podcatchers. Um, Doug, thanks. We'll see you next week. Hopefully. Well done, mate. Uh, thanks Phil, thanks Pat, thanks Adam we will all see you next week no doubt and uh, yeah take care, stay safe, go well Sports Social Podcast Network it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.